And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rules WSL edition. Coming up on this show, foul play. Geese hold up the action as Brighton dent Manchester United's Champions League hopes. Whack, whack. Arsenal's Jen Beattie <laughs> joins us to chat about leapfrogging United and what's next for the Gunners. That's after manager Joe Montemuro's shock decision to leave the club at the end of the season. West Ham move off the bottom of the table with a huge 5-0 win at Reading. And we'll also be discussing Birmingham City players' letter to the board that sparked an outcry from across the league for professional players to have basic needs met. And we'll also be celebrating Leicester City's promotion from the Championship. Welcome along, I'm Lindsay Hooper. I'm Kate Borsay. What a busy show we've got today. Good job we've got commentator, presenter and content creator Samantha Miller joining us. Hi Sam. Hi guys, how you doing? Really, really well. We're good. Did you have a nice Easter? I did, thank you. I got to see Chelsea in the tremendous win and it was a lovely sunny day. It's great when the sun's out and you're watching football, particularly women's football, because you can properly bask. In fact, at some grounds, you can even take a little lie down and sunbathe. I'm thinking of Charlton here whilst you watch the game. Um, But it was the return of grassroots football, so plenty of action to look to. The FA Cup back on as well. Talk of fans returning to men's game in that uh, pilot um, as part of the government's roadmap out of lockdown. So it, 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 it kind of feels like we're returning to a little bit of normality. It does. I honestly can't wait for that. I played five-a-side last night. I'm definitely feeling it today. Everyone's a bit rusty (laughs) after the break, but it's great news that grassroots football is returning. We have got a lot to cover in this show, Sam. We will get to Leicester City's promotion, uh, that letter from Birmingham City players, but we'll begin with the action and only one place to start. And this match produced a gaggle of headlines. We've used a specific word there on purpose. As Brighton clipped Man United's wings... And their European hopes. (laughs) You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Dean's Media and The Athletic. Kagman from the spots. Referee blows her whistle. Kagman! Oh, it's a really powerful strike past Mary Earps. And it will be Brighton who take the lead. Kagman from 12 yards out. Brighton 1, Manchester United 0. Well, Inessa Kagman's first half penalty helped Brighton inflict a major blow on Manchester United's top three ambitions with a 1-0 victory in their first ever WSL win over United. It was Manchester United's third successive away defeat, so it sees them slip behind Arsenal in the battle for third place and a European spot. Brighton, who recovered from last week's 5-0 thrashing by Everton, they remain sixth, but now have a four-point cushion over seventh-placed Reading. And it sounds like an April for we're aware of that but wild foul really did hold up play for a time uh, a pair of egyptian geese invading the pitch i particularly enjoyed the footage of this one sam where do we start the football or the geese 
Well, I'll tell you what, there's a great video of Maria Thorisdotter from Manchester United trying to defend on the pitch. She was trying to shadow and usher the geese off the pitch. That was quite amusing. <laughs> I wonder what kind of formation the geese came on at. I, don't know. I, think, they, I think they came on at 4-3-3, but it was, <laughs> it was interesting. Manchester United will be extremely disappointed to drop points in that match. But I'll tell you what, there's something about Brighton where you just don't want to face them after a heavy defeat we saw that when they <laughs> lost to Bristol they then went and beat Chelsea in a miraculous display and then we saw again that fight to really turn things around against Manchester United and Inessa Kagman has been integral to their season so far and they can really rely on her I've got a theory after last week's show with Courtney Sweetman-Kirk that it could be down to punishment from Hope Powell. It's so bad that they think, right, we can't do that for another second week in a row. Um, and that's why they respond. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, from a Manchester United point of view, Case is not the sort of manager that comes up with excuses. But there is a legitimate reason to say that injuries have curtailed their season somewhat, wouldn't you say? Definitely. I think you could say that Kristen Press out for this fixture wasn't great for Manchester United. They've got the likes of Tobin Heath out, who's been a real part of this squad this season and has made such an impact. So I I can slightly agree with her, but then you have to say with the players they have in that squad should still be able to perform at a certain level with the players they have. Yeah, perhaps it was almost you know, more harmful than than it was beneficial to be top of the league for a period. Perhaps perhaps that was and I and I don't want to say too ambitious because that's a horrible thing to say, but actually maybe that detracted them from from where they're really at ability wise. And let's be honest, if they do um finish in those Champions League places, that is a fantastic season for Manchester United. And if they lose out then there's not a huge amount of shame there, really, if you're losing out to a side as experienced as Arsenal. Uh, They've got the FA Cup game next fourth round, and then they've got Spurs um, at the end of April, then Bristol and Everton following that. What do they need to do, Sam, to set things straight? Because it's it's kind of out of their... Well, it isn't, but it kind of is out of their hands now. The pressure's on Arsenal, isn't it, to maintain that, that third position? I think Manchester United are now in a difficult position after losing the game to Arsenal and then losing against Brighton. They were really in that Champions League race. I'm not saying they're, they're out of it at the moment, but Arsenal are looking more favourable. And with their experience and, and the way that Arsenal have been gelling as of late, you would possibly back Arsenal to just secure it over Manchester United but it's important that Manchester United now pick up on their performances and utilise the likes of of Lauren James who's a a top class talent and has a tremendous amount of potential but Manchester United need to regroup and almost refocus. I think there was almost that pressure where they were at the top of the table almost peaked too early on in the season and have just started to go downhill a bit but I'm sure with a manager like Casey Stoney they can really start to pick things back up. There were a few chances in this match that Ordinarily, at the start of the season, they would have absolutely buried Jess Sigsworth. I mean, that that shot that was straight at the keeper. Um, any other any other occasion towards the the start when they were flying high, she you know she's took that away no problem. So there is 
a crisis of confidence, I think. It's about keeping on creating those chances. They were getting them. I mean, there was there was also a delivery, wasn't there, to the far post from um, Lucy Staniforth, and that should have been headed in. I, I think there were opportunities in this game to win it. I think Katie this week will be working on the video footage from the match, showing them all of the chances they created. And I suppose it's just about keep doing that and hoping that, you know, you're going to get a little bit of luck along the way as well. One will go in, whether it's off a shin or just trying to get your head on it somehow. Um, and then it might turn again in their in their favour. Um, but as as for Brighton, I mean, we've, we've touched on those already in the last few weeks, but they're so unpredictable. You know, where did this performance come from after last week with the Everton thrashing? It, it is difficult to know which Brighton you're going to face. It is, but they're clearly organised, um, Linz, and they do like coming off the back of a defeat, as Sam said, well identified. You know, um, we know Hope has spoken to us about how she as a manager has evolved over the last season or two about having that relationship with her players, being honest, but perhaps being a little bit softer than she has been historically. And I think it's paying off for her. Yes, there are flip-flop results going on at Brighton, but as long as they're continuing to get the better of it, and stay in the league and be comfortably there and spring a few surprises and entertain us, then I think that's probably an okay position to be in. All right, well, we mentioned Arsenal. Let's talk about the team now who've leapfrogged Manchester United into the top three. Yes, the Gunners are up there in the Champions League places after a comfortable 4-0 win over Bristol City at Twerton Park. Dutch international Vivian Miedemar scored her 16th and 17th goals of the season, while Danielle van der Donk and Beth Mead also got amongst the goals. The win comes after Gunners boss Joe Montemoro announced his decision to leave the club at the end of this season. As for Bristol City, they remain second bottom, a point above Aston Villa, who've got two games in hand. We'll have more on the relegation battle in just a moment but first beginning with Arsenal and the fact that they're just happening Sam to peak at the right time is that the experience over their rivals Manchester United for Champions League it's that experience coming into play I think you could certainly say that Arsenal are peaking at the right time and they've got so much fluidity to their game going through the thirds. For me, Arsenal have always been a side that are really in sync with their link-up play and Miedemar has been absolutely outstanding. We often talk about her as being a prolific goal scorer, which Sam Kerr is now uh, (laughs) trying to compete with her in, in that front. But I have to say, Miedemar has added so much more to her game, the the way she's contributing to the team. I was watching the North London derby. I was at the game. She was spraying passes. She was dropping into the central midfield and switching play. And she was just doing absolutely everything for the team. And they're really linking up well in the final third and they're clinical in front of goal. And and we saw that with their goals against Bristol. Here's a little fact for you. Viv's XG for this game was higher than the game where she scored six against Bristol. So that tells you what a pest she was. Sophie Bagley preventing plenty of other opportunities. Um, I thought this was interesting. I was reading Tim Stillman for Arse Blog and he's pointed out um, how DBD's goal is the first uh, for Arsenal since October in the WSL and he's given us a bit of insight to that he'd been asking Joe about uh, moving her into more scoring positions basically Uh, she'll often run ahead of Jill Rawd to get into the penalty area Um, and Joe said you know yes I'm, 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 I'm definitely using her in that more advanced role so 
you know, again, looking at the players he's got, adjusting things constantly. And for this game, really to identify that the Gunners were constantly building play on one side, attracting Bristol players over and then quickly switching. And that's how they were able uh, to foil Bristol so much in this one. So, you know, another thing to admire about uh, Arsenal, and we say it often, that Joe... He's not afraid to mix things up. He's not afraid to keep constantly trying, switching, changing things in order to get the best out of his players. And of course, it's paying dividends at the moment. What did you think about the decision by Joe to leave the club at the end of the season, Sam? Give us a bit of your take on that one. Well, firstly, I think it was a a big surprise to many that Joe Montemiro has decided to leave. And when speaking about it, he said it was related to to family. He wanted to go and see his family in Australia and spend time with them. And it's almost as if he feels that he's he's taken Arsenal as, as high as he can. There's often times where in press conferences he's alluded to maybe not being able to to compete at the moment with the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City in terms of po- a possible budget reason. He hasn't quite gone into detail with that. But we know that Joe Montemurro likes to work with a thin, versatile squad. And we've seen that the likes of Chelsea, for them to have the success they're having at the moment, you need so much depth to be able to recover from injuries and rotate between league games and also cup games. And I think Joe Montemurro has done extremely well at Arsenal. He's got them silverware, but you could just see the heartwarming messages from the players, how much they've learned from him and, and how much of a part he's played in in Arsenal's success but it will be really important that they regain that Champions League spot especially to to attract the right players at the club and also be able to keep hold of what they've got at the moment. I'm sure that's how he wants to leave the club with them in Champions League. Um, He's spoken hasn't he about how difficult a decision this has been for him. Even prior to lockdown he was making trips back home for for personal reasons. I'm pretty sure that you know the family factor that you mentioned has had a huge part to play in this Um, and it's probably been pulled into sharp focus. We've all been in lockdown there hasn't been the international travel if he wanted to get to his family he hasn't been able to in recent times and I and, and I think maybe that that's been at the crux of his decision um, but I do wonder when you know that your manager's leaving the club and there's an air of uncertainty yeah. around what the next chapter looks like whether that plays any part I think I think we'll find out that next yeah well let's get more reaction to a dramatic week at Arsenal from their defender Jen Beattie Jen, welcome to the show once again. Great win for you guys at the weekend. You must be feeling pretty pleased with that. I was, yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like the squad's in a really good place at the minute with having sort of wins on the bounce. I think the momentum's really with us at this point, especially since the United game. So it was great to see another um, good result on Sunday. Everyone's pitched it, Jen, as you versus United for this third spot. (laughs) And it feels after this weekend you've got the edge. I, I mean, I think the, the key for us is not to get complacent. I think, you know, United obviously drop points at the weekend, but for us, we just need to keep the focus on ourselves and, and not get too ahead of ourselves, basically. It's been really tight at the top and United have had a brilliant season, but we just need to keep continuing this good run until the end, really, and hopefully pit that third space. We've been speaking about in the podcast how Joe's not afraid to switch things up a bit. And we were looking at the fact that DVD's now playing a little bit further up front she's finding more space she obviously scored her first goal in ages uh in the game um tell us 
uh, about that. Tell us about Joe's approach to this point in the season and keeping it fresh, keeping keeping things moving and still not being afraid to experiment, I suppose, even though you do have this Champions League place to play for. Yeah, I think it comes from just the trust, I guess, he has with all players. And again, a reflection of the, the depth and strength that we have in the squad. Um, and it is credit to the players that we were able, I guess, to adapt to his changes and and remain playing that sort of fluid, nice football. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a credit, I guess, to the strength and depth we have in the squad. And it's 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 good to see because everyone, it's a feel-good factor within the squad when everyone gets minutes. And again, as long as we're getting good results, everyone's happy. Obviously, the announcement that uh, Joe's made that he's going to be leaving the club at the end of this season um, has happened this week. I just wondered what it was like for you as the players when you heard that from him for the first time. Yeah, look, I, I think everyone was was really disappointed. I think Joe's is such a good character to have um, at any club and his sort of level of expertise and but not even that, just how he is as a person. I think he's he's just such a likeable guy and a pleasure to play for in general. So everyone was obviously really disappointed, but has such huge respect for him as a player, sorry, as a coach and a manager that everyone just respected his decision and that, you know, life comes before football and he had to make that decision for his family. And, and I guess we're just glad that we've still got a few games left to still play for him and enjoy having him as our manager before he leaves us um, at the end of the season. And 100% we'll wish him well and, and wish him the best with, with whatever he chooses to do next. And it's been a pleasure for anyone that gets the, has the, had the chance to work with him. He will be leaving you in a good place. He'll make sure of that. And he's also given you this notice and the club the notice that he'll be leaving. So from a player's point of view, does that give you a bit more certainty that that you'll be fine for next season rather than it being announced at the end? Um, I guess it gives the club time, I would say, to sort of put the necessary measures in place going into next season. Um, I, but again, that's kind of in the club's hand to kind of make sure that whoever takes us on next year can really take us on to that next level, I guess. But um, yeah, all that stuff's in, in the club's hand and we'll see what happens. I think for us as players, all we can focus on is is playing and enjoying his coaching until the end of the season. Would you like someone similar to him and his style or would you like a completely different approach? Um, that's an interesting question. I think a similar style in terms of football, 100%. You know, it's, it's a credit to the way he coaches and the way he wants us to play. It's very sort of, night. I don't know what the right term is, but it's a very technical way of playing. And I think that's that's the Arsenal way. And I think the next person who comes in would would hopefully try and play a similar style of football. Um, so I would hope from that, from a, from a personal perspective, and I think the team would too. Let's move on just to mention the letter from the Birmingham City women's team to their board. And as a senior player, Jen, you've been around the game for a long time. It's not what anyone wants to read, really, that the players are saying that what's going on at the club is preventing them from uh, performing their jobs to the best of their ability. They've cited numerous different aspects to that. What was that like as a player for you to read that in terms of what it says about the league so far and how how much work it feels like some clubs have got to do still? Um, yeah, Yeah, I feel like as a player, it's, it's never nice reading or seeing female football clubs in that certain situation whatsoever. Um, 
But on the flip side, I think it's so important for players to come together in those situations and actually raise concerns because this women's football game will only keep improving if things like that happen. So I think it was a credit to the players, a credit to the people who put the letters together to sort of challenge the board and really try and move the club forward. I think as females in, in this industry, we we have a huge responsibility to do that. So um, I was proud of them, in all honesty, that they, they took that on board yeah. themselves and, and tried to, to better it because that's all you can do as players try to better things. Interesting timing as well. They, of course, came off that quite heavy defeat to Chelsea, but also uh, a couple of weeks on from the news that there's a huge TV rights deal now for the WSL, which has really buoyed everyone up. It makes everyone focus on next season. And I think it was probably uh, done at a time when players were pretty frustrated, but also with one eye on where we need clubs to be and what and what they as players expect from their club if we're coming into a season where there's going to be a huge amount of visibility, a multi-million pound TV deal. Yeah, look, I think, you know, as players, you only really know what goes on at your own club. So for them, you know, they they know day in, day out what happens for them. And all you want to do as a player is to be able to do your job. You, You need the foundations there to be able to do your job properly. So if they feel like they aren't able to do that, you know, again, it's credit to them for taking it on board themselves and actually raising concerns. Because sometimes I also think as, as senior players, like it's not necessarily about the senior players. It's about the club. It's about wanting the club to move forward. It's not about their situation right now. It's about players who may come and sign. It's about players who will continue to play for that club. So it's about the future and it's about the next step. And I think players have a responsibility to move that on. And I think that's amazing what they're doing. There's a solidarity as well, isn't there, in the response? And you've been at the centre of your of your own personal issues where you, you've seen that solidarity come together and how much it can mean. I really hope that maintains in the women's game. And, and do you think it will? Yeah, I think so. I think um, that's something special about the women's game. It's, it's relatively quite a small group of players. But hopefully it will obviously continue to grow. But I think it is a very sort of, it's quite a, personal emotional game and and when you see things like that coming together and actually showing support for each other you know it's strength 100% comes in numbers and I think the more that we stick together to try and move the game forward in situations like that then it will only get better. The last time we spoke to you, Jen, back in December, you just revealed publicly um, that you'd been battling breast cancer and you'd had surgery and that at that point the cancer hadn't spread and you were doing okay. You described it as a bit of a turning point. How are you now? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, it, it, was, a, it was a tough time, but I finished treatment uh, before Christmas. So it was obviously nice to um, kind of close that chapter and I think right now I'm just trying to focus on football and I have a little hamstring injury right now so I'm just trying to get back on the pitch really and enjoy football. We look forward to seeing you back on the pitch Jen it's always a pleasure speaking to you thank you again for giving us some of your valuable time. No worries thanks very much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. That was Arsenal defender Jem Beattie. Right, onto the top of the table now. 
Leaders Chelsea show no signs of slowing down. They recorded the biggest win of the weekend, thumping Birmingham 6-0 at Kings Meadow. And once again, it was Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby doing a large amount of the damage. Matilda's captain Sam Kerr scored a first-half hat-trick to move level with Arsenal's Vivian Miedemar in the WSL Golden Boot Race. Both players are on 17 league goals so far this season. Frank Kirby added a double in the second half, while there was a first of the season for Guro Wrighton. Chelsea remained two points clear of Man- Manchester City at the very top, while Birmingham, who've now gone 10 games without a win, they're ninth and getting sucked in to the relegation battle. Uh, Sam, this was the game that you were at. Um, I think we'll begin with with the fact that this was such a convincing victory for Chelsea off the back of playing in the Champions League as well. Was that the most impressive part? It really was. And what was interesting about Chelsea were they were really dictating the tempo. At times you could see with their game game plan execution that they would slow the game down I'm sure they were a bit fatigued from the Champions League game and when they were feeling it they would just slow it down and then they would quickly break and speed the tempo up so it was really eye-opening to watch and Birmingham they set out with five at the back they made themselves really hard to break down and then they tried to find Claudia Walker up top on the break and she got a couple of opportunities but it needed the perfect ball into her and unfortunately for Birmingham she was unable to take them but Chelsea were honestly just magnificent to watch another absolutely masterclass display from Chelsea. It felt like there were two narratives taking place and and they joined for this game at completely the wrong time for Birmingham. So we've seen everything that's happened in the press this week. Birmingham players uh, appealing for better facilities as as part of this letter they've written to a board. We'll go into more detail. But then you've got Chelsea, like you say, having this momentum from the Champions League. Emma Hayes saying that everyone is absolutely at the top of their game and she has no worries about who she rotates in um, and and at what point it it really doesn't matter. And those two things colliding, Kate, makes you think that it was always going to be a tough afternoon for Birmingham, given the circumstances. Uh, And from Chelsea's point of view, it feels like there's no stopping them. Yeah, and, and in fact, we've, you know, spoken about this Kirby link-up, as in Kirby. <laughs> uh, but actually, that didn't play so much of a factor. Yes, of course, both both players uh, scored goals. Sam Kerr with another hat-trick. Um, but it was more Beth England and Frank Kirby who were combining in this game. So you don't even need to put a trademark on the old Kirby uh, <laughs> link-up. You can factor Beth England in there. And that's the point about Chelsea, isn't it? They don't just rely on particular players for particular goals or particular link-up play. Uh, There is depth, strength and depth all over uh, the field, particularly up front. Interesting what Emma Hayes said at the end of the game. She said, what I do expect is the relentless pursuit of something. Intention matters, integrity, honesty, humility and performance. As long as I see that, we'll keep winning games. She's resolute about this now. Um, she's being admired all over Europe you know people are saying very nice things about her and I noticed when the players came on at the beginning of the game Sam they looked so relaxed Frank Kirby was sort of laughing and and kind of you know sort of joking a little bit as well they just look like no one's going to punctuate this fantastic run that they're on both domestically and in Europe 
they almost look untouchable and like you alluded to they they are so relaxed and calm about it and Emma Hayes made five changes in that game and no matter what player was on the pitch they were all so alert you just wouldn't have known would you yeah <laughs> you, you really wouldn't have and Sam Kerr with that striker's instinct to, to follow up on some of the goals we know that she's always an aerial threat can win headers and she's in the form of her life and also, Frank Kirby, the likes of G were actually missing on international duty, who's a big part of the starting lineup usually. And Frank Kirby almost adapted her game and transformed it to, to almost take up the role of G. She was dropping in deep to receive the ball, creating going forward, and she was turning goal scorer into provider. And Frank Kirby was honestly just tremendous to watch. She was all over the pitch and she just worked so hard. It looked like a training exercise at times. And I'm sure Emma Hayes would credit Chelsea Football Club because you're looking at different spectrums of support between these two clubs. And I think she would openly go on record to say that they have every single bit of support they could need to get this Chelsea women's team to the very top. A quick word before we get to Birmingham on the strike partnerships, because last week on the show, we were absolutely praising the fact that Kirby and Kerr had this telepathic link. And as you rightly said, Kate, it didn't it didn't actually mean that they were linking up as much in this game. But I think we need to address the strike partnerships because we brought it up last week in the show about, um, in WSL history, Sam, the amount of times we've seen partnerships like that. I messaged Tony Layton, who was uh, covering the women's game for a very long time. He sent me an email because he is of that ilk that gets back to you in the right manner. There was no no dropping me a WhatsApp or a DM. I got a proper chunky email from him. Um, Arsenal dominated the noughties, thanks in no small part to Julie Fleeting, who we actually should have mentioned last week. Uh, he said, the best UK-born striker he's ever seen. Uh, she was mm. at Arsenal, 2004 to 12, and in that time had two tremendous partnerships. First of all, with the great Kelly Smith, friend of the show from 2005 to, to 09. Then with Fleeting superb fellow Scott Kim Little from 2008 to 13 before her move abroad and subsequent return to the Gunners in 2017. It would be interesting, he said, to get Emma Hayes' thoughts on those two partnerships because she was Arsenal's assistant manager from 2006 oh, very good point. to 2008. Yeah. Very good point. And he also, because Tony doesn't leave it there, he goes internationally as well. He reminded me, and I, I'd completely forgotten of this, Germany's Birgit Prince and Inca Grings were devastating when they played together. They partnered each other during the country's great years. This, we're talking about the noughties. And he did say to me, just ask any of the England defenders who came up against them, particularly in Euro 2009 in the final, which uh, Germany won 6-2, um, Prince and Grings scoring twice. Tony Layton, legend, getting back in touch with that one. I feel like he's written a an article on that already like a like a you know feel like we could copy and paste that and put it straight up onto the website thank you tony absolutely and laura bassett who was one of those england defenders who would be able to talk about it also um, came back to me and she got in touch with Rachel Yankee. This is the stirring that we caused last week. <laughs> uh, she said she came back to me with Ellen Mags and Angie Banks. I'd completely forgotten about Ellen Mags, which is a great shout. And actually, probably more, she said, Rachel Williams and Jodie Taylor than Rachel Williams and Ellen White, who I mentioned. So there we are. So that's Any Birmingham. more for any more, get in touch. 
at mm. Offside Rule Pod for the strike partnerships in women's football of all time, the best ones. Yeah. Uh, let's just mention very quickly before we move on to Birmingham's letter that, of course, uh, Chelsea won 5-1 on aggregate um, after their 3-0 second leg win in Hungary. They now have booked a semi-final place in the Champions League. I love what Katie Wyatt wrote on the Athletics website about the win. She said it was a thoughtful, systematic dismantling of Wolfsburg. Emma Hayes saying after the game, she felt more relaxed today than I've ever felt felt um a wonderful win there uh, for Chelsea we all wait to see what happens in the semi-finals Sam let's speak about um this letter that uh, the Birmingham City players have joined together and written all of them have signed it. it's been sent uh, to the club's board with a list of complaints the medical support has been mentioned budget access to fitness uh facilities as well um that came as a bit of a shock, I think, to a lot of people. Uh, I know that there was a piece on Sky Sports News about it, actually, um, a little bit before Monday morning. So we had heard that there might be something going on. But, I mean, you'll know as a former player yourself, to get together with your teammates and to make such a public point is, well, it's huge, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was at West Ham, there was an article published about the conditions at the time. We were doing road running in the dark because we couldn't go onto the pitches until the boys' academy had finished. And you sometimes have to almost regroup as a team and come together and demand better. And that's exactly what Birmingham have done here, and rightly so. I think especially being in the elite, the top tier of women's football, the standards need to be better. And the point needed to be raised. And I really appreciate the unity of the team and even the women's football community that has come together and really put it out there, the the conditions that they're having to deal with. And you just hope that there's a real change. But for me, you could almost see this happening. They they, they seem to be spiralling downhill in, in terms of the standards before Birmingham were a team that were competing in FA Cup finals and Champions League and everyone knew they were a tough team to beat and they've almost let the standards drop and um, that's just because of the treatment they've they've had and I really hope that we see an improvement. Yeah, so let's just get this out there then. So the main crux of the letter is that the players say there are various factors that prevent them from performing their jobs to the best of their ability. Uh, access to changing facilities and gyms, a playing budget they say that's impacting on the size of their match day squad, allegations that some of the key coaching staff are not full-time employees, which could be a contradiction of the WSL licence rules. They're unhappy, as you've referenced, with the size of their injury treatment facilities there's a picture up there and they're making the point that up to five players are in this quite small space actually um, because the physio and the rehabilitation room is in a temporary portable building at the club's uh, West Hall's training ground only three players understood to be under contract for next season uh, and of course that then adds to the fear that the players feel that the club's not committed to funding a full-time team for next season Birmingham have denied that they've released a statement saying basically there are no plans to not be competing in the WSL next season. Uh, The team are focused on doing what's required to keep Birmingham City in the WSL. Both men's and women's teams are yet to secure survival in their respective leagues. Uh, So they say that that makes it hard to start contract negotiations for next season. And they point out it's been a challenging time for everyone, including us. So the club have hit back. But I think 
Sam, that the public shaming really about facilities, about playing budgets will perhaps force them. I don't know how stubborn they are personally, but it will perhaps force them to take a good look at what they're providing for the women and ask them important questions. Well, you would definitely hope that it would try and force a change. Um, Let's hope they're, they're not stubborn, but also I think putting that information out there, if there isn't a change, then what players will want to sign for Birmingham next season? And yeah. it's, it's important that first of, of all, that they stay up and remain in this league. And they really are going to have to go back to basics and and just create the right standards at the club and make sure that things are implemented into place where it's a safe environment for the team. And they definitely deserve better. And I'm glad that they've come together and, and tried to make a difference. Well, unfortunately, I suppose that does overshadow the game itself. But we'll go from the result at the top of the table. We'll move to the bottom now, uh, perhaps even more significant result in the fight to stay in the WSL. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Arthur Thomas's first half hat trick helped West Ham to move off the foot of the table with a stunning 5-0 win at Reading, uh, really shaking things up at the bottom of the WSL. Uh, the Hammers were 2-0 up inside 10 minutes thanks to goals from Kenza Dali and Katarina Svitkova. Thomas then took centre stage. She scored three in 26 minutes to make it 5-0 at half time. At the second half, much quieter as West Ham coasted to their first league win since mid-December. They're up to 10th, two points off the bottom. Reading, who've now gone five games without a win, are in seventh. Uh, this was Oli Harder as West Ham manager, his first win, wasn't it? And what a win it was. It was it was the surprise result. Huge win for West Ham and Oli Harder. And it was almost as if Reading maybe underestimated West Ham with them being at the bottom of the table going into this game. But that that could be massive for West Ham. Martha Thomas, for me, is such a confident striker. And I think after she got the first goal, you could see that she was possibly going to go on and get more. And she got her hat trick. And I was at the game against Arsenal where she made her debut for West Ham. You could see a really quality striker. And I think... Over the season, mm. she said that she's had injuries and it's affected her confidence. But if she can gain momentum from from this fixture going forward, then it could be massive. And it was interesting that Grace Maloney had been making some incredible saves in games. And the Kenza Darley goal, she almost <laughs> came off her line. I've actually pulled that one out as well because it was so audacious. <laughs> it really was. And Grace Maloney came off her line thinking that Kenza Daly was going to maybe cross it into to one of the players and Grace Maloney was trying to beat them to it and then almost left herself exposed with a bit of a yeah. gap and it just flew into the net over Grace Maloney and it really was spectacular. I found myself really rooting for Martha Thomas because you saw the the West Ham documentary and you feel like you get to know these players. I think that's why it's so important we get to know their backstories because you really take them under your wing. Um, A player that we've got to know more this season, but we won't have much more of her in the WSL, is Reading's Jess Fishlock. Her loan spell comes to an end. And crucially, Kate, I think for Reading, that's going to be a huge miss. 
Yeah, and actually they were pretty sloppy in this game. Um, I think West Ham did surprise them. It was played on home turf for Reading at the Majeski Stadium um, and there was every reason for them to go out and be dominant against a struggling West Ham side, but they just could not string it together. I don't know whether you put it down to being just one of those results, whether they're a bit out of sorts, who knows. Uh, but without Jess Fishlock, of course, yeah, that is going to be a massive miss for them. I think Reading really just need to keep their head down um, and focus on getting through the season without too many more big upsets and then perhaps a bit of a reset um, in the off-season before we uh, head into a new one but yeah sort of erratic results um for reading this season they are organized they are capable of better i think you just have to put this one down to a bit of a blip all right let's move on then to the team who now sit bottom of the table aston villa this is the offside rule wsl edition part of the athletic podcast network Goals from Lucy Graham, Izzy Christensen and Simone McGill secured a 3-1 victory at home for Everton. It deepened Aston Villa's relegation fears. Uh, Graham nodded in Christensen's cross to give the Toffees a first-half lead before her penalty was saved by Lisa Weiss. But Christensen made it 2-0 with a second-half spot kick of her own before substitute McGill added the third 12 minutes from time. Despite Chloe Arthur's late consolation goal for the visitors, it was Villa's fifth straight defeat. Linz, I know you kept across this one. Uh, a second pretty convincing win in a row for Everton. Yeah, and I, I actually think it comes and stems from, from that result against Brighton, that 5-0 win. I think you could see the confidence pumping back through their veins again. Um, Everton are a team that started this season so well, and I really fancied them to finish really strongly. I don't know about you, Sam. I did as well. I think you just had to look at the start they had to the season. Willie Kirk has really transformed this team. It wasn't long ago where Everton were really struggling and Willie Kirk's come in and, and this season has really been their season. They did have a bit of a downfall with injuries, the likes of Valerie Govan, but now they, they just look like such a confident side. And I think it's really ignited a spark in Izzy Christiansen mm. and she's performing so well for the Toffees. They've got the like of Jill Scott there on loan at the moment and Hayley Rasso has come into form with her hat trick against Brighton. I think two things came into play with that slump in the middle. I, I think it was all to do with the fact that they they lost the FA Cup match. Um, I think that had a bearing as well as the, the injuries that you mentioned. Um, we'll move on then to the last game of the weekend. This one was between Spurs and Manchester City. Well, Manchester City made it 12 wins in a row as they brushed aside Tottenham 3-0 at the Hive. City went ahead after just five minutes thanks to an unfortunate own goal from Spurs keeper Becky Spencer from Chloe Kelly's corner. Janine Becky added a second before the break and then created the third for Caroline Weir. City, who were knocked out of the Champions League by Barcelona midweek despite a 2-1 second leg win, remained two points behind leaders Chelsea. And the date that everyone should have circled on their calendars or in their diaries is Sunday, April 25th. That's when the two sides meet in their next fixture. As for Spurs, they're eighth, seven points off the foot of the table. Sam, we can't see past the 25th of April, can we? No, we can't. And Manchester City will keep pushing Chelsea. And that's going to be a tasty fixture. And Janine Becky's really come into form now. When she was working under Nick Cushing, he transformed her into a fullback. But now she's playing higher up the pitch. She got the goal against Tottenham and also Barcelona. And we're seeing a different side to Becky. And they do have 
quality all over the pitch from their defence with World Cup winner Abby Del Kemper to Sam Mewis through the midfield and then the, the players up top, the likes of Chloe Kelly. So they, they can really push Chelsea. They are a little bit compromised in defence with um, injuries to Lucy Bronze. Alex Greenwood um, uh, picked up an injury just, just before this game. She was replaced by Aoife Mannion, who I'm delighted to say made her first start for City in 536 days. It was a pre-match injury that scuppered Alex Greenwood. So great to see Aoife Mannion back and she's come really just at the right time. Lucy Bronze also with a few injury issues as well. So uh, her shoring up City's defence. Spurs had a better final half hour of the game, but it's their third defeat in five games. The momentum having established a good run under Rehan Skinner at the start. Sam, the momentum just doesn't seem to be with Spurs at the moment. They just need to cling on now, don't they, until the end of the season? No, you can tell that Spurs are really struggling at the moment and they've got tough games coming up. The likes of Chelsea, they've just had to face Manchester City and it's 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 been tough for Tottenham and they they haven't really got it together in the final third. They they don't have that potent attack where they're clinical in front of goal and they're just struggling to score goals from open play. We saw at the beginning of the season, majority of their goals came from set plays, like Ciri Vorm scoring free kicks, but they just need to really tighten things up and try and keep hold of the ball better as well. And just before we finish our roundup of the WSL action from the weekend, congratulations go to Leicester City, whose 2-0 win over London City Lionesses at the weekend sealed the championship title with two games still to play. It means from next season, Leicester will be playing in the WSL for the first time in their history. They've very much been building up to this, very much on the agenda, Sam. Deserving champions. And how will they get on in the WSL next season, do we think? Firstly, very well-deserved champions. They've been consistent. They've recruited well from the start of the season. If you look at the players they brought in, they've all got WSL experience. The likes of Remy Allen, who's been in this league for such a long time. Millie Farrow also joining from Reading. They have a great squad and I think they'll fare well in the WSL and it'll be interesting to see how they do compete. They have Russ Fraser there, the general manager who's been at the likes of West Ham and Reading. So he really knows what he's doing and I'm excited to see them come up now. I think there are some similarities with Spurs. We we know that Spurs didn't have much of a facility. They didn't have the training facilities that they have now. And they felt that that promotion to WSL may have came a season earlier than they thought. And I think that could be the case here with Leicester as well. They'd not been used to it. But now with the, with the old men's facility, as uh, the men's team have got this fantastic new one, they've, they've managed to really up everything at Leicester for this women's team. Um, and I just would look at Spurs and, and just try and learn a little bit from their season because I feel like it could be a similar story for Leicester next campaign. But hopefully they they can take some some of the bits forward that they've got from the championship. Certainly a few of their players um, have deserved new contracts and I wonder what the recruitment might be like in the summer uh, to try and kick on. Uh, That rounds up all the action in the WSL. No league fixtures this weekend. It is the international break. Here are some of the key details for the home nations which are coming up next. Let's start with England women then. Interim head coach and Team GB boss for the Olympics, Hegger Reeser, leads the Lionesses once again. This time in a double header of friendlies. First up against France on Friday, away before facing Canada at Stoke City a week on Tuesday. Sam, let's get your thoughts on these two fixtures. 
Well, firstly, I think she's implemented the right blend of experience and youth, and she's really going with players in form, the likes of Neve Charles, who have been outstanding for Chelsea in that fullback role, especially, like you said uh, earlier, that Lucy Bronze is potentially injured. I think she could really do a job there, and I think it'll be really interesting to see how England get on, and they've got a great squad. Wales also face Canada in a friendly on Friday this week before facing Denmark at home on Tuesday. A first chance for new manager Gemma Granger to work with the squad. It features Wales captain Sophie Ingle, uh, the most capped footballer Jess Fishlock, vice captain Natasha Harding and record goalscorer Helen Ward. There's also call-ups for uncapped duo Bethan Roberts of Reading and Liverpool's Kerry Holland. Northern Ireland face Ukraine in a two-legged playoff to reach the Women's Euro 2022 Championships. The first leg's away on Friday, the return leg in Belfast next Next Tuesday, manager Kenny Shields welcomes back fit again Bristol defender Laura Rafferty and Glenn Torrens Emma McMaster. Uh, but they're still without key players, though, through injury or work commitments, including striker Lauren Wade. Uh, the winners of the playoff will take their place at the Euro finals in England next summer. Such a lot at stake. Uh, this will be Northern Ireland's first playoff for a major tournament. The Women's FA Cup does continue this weekend and the big teams enter the draw in the next round. We'll look ahead to those on next week's podcast. That's all we've got time for on today's show. Thank you very much, Sam, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Where can people follow you, Sam, and anything exciting on your football agenda? People can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at Samantha Jade Miller. And up and coming, I'll be at some WSL games. I'm not sure which ones yet. And hopefully some FA Cup games as well. We'll look out for you, Sam. Uh, Next week, we've got Everton boss Willie Kirk. He will be among our guests. Do join us then. Don't forget to check out, in the meantime, the website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Jesse Parker Humphrey's Five Things from the WSL. Always good to have a read of. And of course, at Offside Rule to follow us on all the socials. See you next time. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Money Knees Media production. The Athletic.